Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speech Check. I'm Sam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 23. And today we're going to talk about 2K Battlegrounds, the PS5 release event, and stick around to the end to hear your comments on the question from last episode. But before we talk about any of that, we are going to congratulate John for winning the transition competition. Congratulations, John. Yeah, you've dethroned Mr. Coffee as the crowned king of transitions. And uh, stick around to the end of the episode to hear John's question that we will be posing. Ooh, exciting. And now we're going to talk about what we've been playing. And Matt is going to go first. Matt, what have you been playing? So I've been uh, scouring for free games lately for obvious reasons. And I came across Spellbreak, which I was informed of by one of the guys I actually play D&D with. He told me about a, a BR that was based around magic. So I went ahead on the old Epic Game Store, downloaded it, checked it out. And it's pretty fun because it's based around projectiles. Everything is, is a projectile. There's no hit scan. And the particle effects are fucking massive. You kind of always know when and where you're getting hit from rather than in like i don't know something like apex you might just get shot and it's like oh okay i'm dead now because you, you just you can't always see i know that technically they're all projectile based all of the bullets are projectiles but you don't you couldn't see a sniper shot incoming or anything whereas in spell you've got like an entire you know you've got a small sun flying at you exactly yeah you've got like clouds and fireballs and lightning strikes going off all over the place and it's it's very visual so you've got a, a good opportunity for for a turnaround which i quite like in brs when you're not just swatted at moment one you can actually either get away or play intelligently to take someone down even if they get the drop on you it's not just who sees who first yeah yeah it's it's a fun game movement's really fun and it is free and and the monetization stuff isn't too intrusive it's there and you can, you know, do the whole buy coins in our store to unlock new belts and whatever else. But it's completely divorced from the gameplay. So the game will be the same for everyone who plays it. And yeah, you're only affecting cosmetics, basically. A cosmetics and you've got like a calling card, kind of like Call of Duty. Mm. You've got like an emblem and then a background and stuff. And yeah, for free, you know, if you're looking for a free game. I'd... Is it a full game? Full game? Early access? Oh no, it's, it's full release. Just, it's, it's standard release, okay. Yeah, do it doing the rounds. It's 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 pretty good, pretty fun. High skill ceiling. You know, you can go a long way with it. Um, there are some cool combos with the different spells as well. Just an example of one. If you throw down a poison cloud or toxic, as they call it in the game, you can then light that on fire with a fireball to create an explosion, or you can electrify someone's ice. Uh, trail or something like that so there's there is a lot of depth in those kinds of interactions and that's where the the skill comes is mastering those interactions and using them at the right time and stuff fun i would i'd recommend it on the on the other side of that coin for me i played dauntless which i know has been out for a while and people have spoken about but it's never really twigged my interest it's basically mmo monster hunter if i was being reductionist about it and it's fine you know <laughs> it's free it's got a battle pass for me it like it shows its hand super early so you, you immediately know you are in 
a loot grindy team based MMO. So you go to a place, you kill a monster, the monster drops parts of their body, you go back to town, you get a new piece of gear because of that, or maybe you complete a quest and that gives you some gear. Along the way you earn currency and you can buy other stuff with it, and that feels like the the whole game, you know what I mean? Yeah, it exposes that loop immediately. Yeah, and, and the combat is quite fun. It's based on combos and each of the different weapons you can pick kind of acts like a class. So if you've got the the hammer it's quite imaginative actually if you've got the hammer it's kind of like an energy shotgun so you can either swing with the hammer or you can like load it up and fire out these like blasts whereas the the war lance acts like a spear but if you get to a certain number of consecutive hits you can like load a rocket into it and then back off and fire that so you you know each weapon acts differently to how it might in other games and also encourage you to play in a certain way so it's fun, but I can't see myself sinking a ton of hours into it. Maybe with friends it would be really fun. I don't know. Do you think a game being free changes your expectations of what, like the bar you set for it, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I, well, yes and no, I suppose. If I'm going to buy a game, I would feel cheated if the content is truncated. But when it's a, when it's a free game, you can just dip your toe and be like, nah, not for me, which is nice which is what you know demos were great back in the day but you don't really get that anymore yeah i, I, I don't know how I, how I feel about a free game is just nice isn't it it's just just like here's some content if you want to engage with it you can well there's no risk i guess so or yeah. no financial risk yeah you don't you have know, to worry about I that can't afford, i can't afford to be splashing out on every triple a game that comes out so but yeah i think it does change my expectations but apologies for setting you on a tangent that's right well, that's what it's all about isn't it and uh world of horror my little my little love love baby love that game it finally got its june update uh which is is nice development was put on hold for a while for reasons uh, you're a little bit worried about that one weren't you yeah i thought it was dead i thought it was had been abandoned by the by the devs uh, but no the june update is coming in the community they're saying it's uh being released a uh, 92nd of, of June. I think we're on around around that kind of time scale right now. But yeah, it's nice to see that there's still a priority for the developers. And Hades got its 1.0 release, which I'm going to have to play at some point today. So they finally finished that. And I say finally, it's not, it was advertised how long it would take. But, you know, I've been anticipating it for a while. So there's a lot more to that game than there was previously. And yeah. I've slowly been learning UE4, which is very, very hard. Very hard, but I'm getting somewhere, so that's all, it's all good fun. What about you, Sam? What have you been playing? Uh, I've only been really sampling one game as of late, and I caved to peer pressure, and I downloaded Warzone. Mm. I'm not proud of... I mean, I'm not a shiny example of willpower. <laughs> uh, I can't really decide what I think about it. No? No, I mean, it's probably won't be much, seeing as it's a game... There's been one of the most high-profile releases, and it's been around for what six months now. But I just don't know if I like it, and I don't know if I don't think that's a reflection on Call of Duty. I think that's I don't know. I just don't feel like the the genre of battle royale. I think that's one for me. I certainly see the appeal of prevailing over like a hundred plus players, hmm. but I don't know if I like. 
the lottery of it, I guess. There's kind of too much luck flying around. There's a lot of downtime. I played COD when it was kind of just like a standard COD, if you can, if you can call it that. EDM. I just want to, yeah, and I just want to run and gun. I want to run around, then I get, I, you know, you hit the floor. You're at the mercy of whatever place you drop. The loot, you know, who you drop with. I feel like you spend eighty percent of the game doing the first five or ten minutes of the game. If that makes sense. Hmm. Drop in loot, sort yourself out. And then you can lose your first gunfight, which I get is the thing of the game. But COD being a game where you die so quickly, I think I guess why back in the day of standard COD, I didn't play certain destroy because I was like, this game is meant for one life. Yeah, yeah, you did you, that downtime, having to quit back out and then, or like find a new match or wait until the next round starts or something. I, I was the same. I enjoyed just getting straight back into it and trying to overcome. Yeah, it should be like a fast-paced thing. I think, but I'm enjoying playing my friends again. All my mates have got it, so it brings that social aspect back to my gaming, which I haven't had for a while. So, mm. so that's nice, at least. And I have enjoyed it the more I've got into it, but obviously because I'm so late to the party, I'm just way behind everybody else. People know the map, people know where the good loot drops are, and people are just generally better at the game. And it has crossplay, so I'm playing on a controller against mice and keyboard people. And it's just that's always rough. Yeah, not saying it's you're doomed, but I think we've spoken about this before, where the ceiling of a mouse and keyboard player is eons higher than someone with a controller. Someone on someone with a controller on their best day won't beat someone on mouse and keyboard on their best day. That's just a fact. Mm. But yeah, I'll I'll be playing more of it. I'll learn more of the meta, and I'm enjoying it, but not for other reasons rather than it being good. I'd say I don't think this is gonna. It's not going to turn me on to Apex or Fortnite or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. BRs are quite a specific genre. You either kind of like them or you don't. Yeah, and do you know what? Solos. I've only played four or five games. Solos is terrifying. <laughs> Just sitting in a building and you can hear footsteps wandering around. Or if you've got the heartbeat sensor and you can see someone like a dot moving around. Terrifying. But yeah, other than nearly having a heart attack, that's what I'm playing. But enough now of what I've been playing. Matt is going to tell us about the releases. Matt, what is coming? Indeed, I am. First off is WWE 2K Battlegrounds coming at us from Saber Interactive, 18th of September 2020. Uh, you covered this last episode in your look at Gamescom, I believe. I did, yes. Said we saw a trailer for it. So this is now out. Um, Sabre has a bit of a muddled past in development from what I could see. I don't know whether they've principally done multiplayer, but they've been credited as developers on Time Shift and Crisis, and I was like, oh, hello. That's... I played Time Shift. Uh, it was a game. You know, I, I really <laughs> like Time Shift. <laughs> do you know what I do? I, it's something about controlling time i saw it and i was like that looks awesome and then the execution wasn't polished but i had fun with it it was very and they basic had, uh... but it was i think it was because i was younger again my little mind getting blown by simple things i was like oh my god the bullets go backwards yes it was they had some cool ideas so they had like 
the time stuff in multiplayer was like grenades. Mm. So you'd throw it, and then people it would like make a bubble, and then people, if you moved into that, you'd slow them down, or you could do the time stop where they'd be frozen for like three seconds, or you do the reverse. So if people start shooting at you, the bullets hit them. So that was cool, mm. but it was just it just looked a bit crap. Yeah, but apologies. Continue. So, time shift crisis, and also a game called Mud Runner, which is like a truck racer from what I could see. So I don't know what's going on there, but they've made two K Battlegrounds. This is kind of a response to the overwhelming pile of fecal matter that was Two K Twenty. Not a good game. No. So the publisher 2K, it's a little bit confusing because they're both you know, 2K20 and Battlegrounds 2K, but the publisher 2K cancelled 2K21 because of the reception, and this is like the the outcome of that. Smart decision. Yeah, yeah. This is like a super arcadey, cartoony wrestling game that focuses more on fancy particle effects and immediate feedback rather than the almost... I don't want to say simulation, but like approaching realistic wrestling that the that the other entries in the series have had. Using the word real or in wrestling is, I know, is it's a bit of a, a button for some. I'm a big wrestling fan, Matt, as you know. Yeah. I think you are slightly. Yeah, yeah I like um, wrestling, yeah. But yeah, I guess, I, Stim, I guess, is the closest one you could call it, but it's not technically that. Yeah. Cruiserweight Open, Rey Mysterio's entrance. God, I was flopping around on the floor. I loved it. So this is, as I said, stylized cartoony brawler. You have 70 different wrestlers to choose from, and these are both current wrestlers and Hall of Famers. The campaign is 10 hours long, with interstitial screens that are cartoon-style, and you follow different wrestlers on their journey to becoming relevant in the industry. The combat has been pared down, as I mentioned, so... Rather than the complexity, you've got this more, as I keep saying, I keep coming back to arcadey and cartoony, and that is representative. That That is the flavor of this game. It's quick, you run in, smash people around, it's crazy, crazy over the top. You reach under the ring and pull out like an exploding acme barrel with like a fuse attached to it and stuff. Some of the arenas will have crocodiles leaning over from the audience barriers and you can throw people into the crocodile's mouth where they get mauled for massive damage. I'm pretty sure that's happened on some indie wrestling promotions. Oh my god. With a real crocodile? <laughs> Combat Zone Wrestling is like an indie promotion where they focus on like hardcore stuff, but I'm sure there's some kind of insane footage from <laughs> ECW back in the day. Where there is no rules. Barbed wire wrapped light bulbs being shoved up everyone's ass or something. It's when they like shatter the tube lights over their backs. Oh, the they they actually do that though. That's like yeah, you can't pull that shit. You just have to fucking take it. So the characters have stats, typically three that will define them as either a heavy hitter, a high flyer, or somewhere in between, and that will be reflected in your gameplay with heavy hitters shockingly hitting harder high flyers having like a higher jump and having access to different moves it's pretty base value you see what everything's about and before matches you can pick uh power-ups which are equally insane so you could have stone cold steve austin freeze his opponents to death with ice breath or something like that it just goes off the wall with it 
which fits the tone and I think is quite refreshing for the series, you know, having this party style to it rather than something more serious because there has never really been any true depth in a wrestling game. It's not like Street Fighter where you can start to, you know, learn your frame traps and stuff. You're never going to get to that stage with, I don't know, no mercy. You can't learn it in that way. It's, it's pretty, yeah. pretty face value, this game. A goofy brawler without much depth. I think it's fun for people who like wrestling, and it's definitely fun with friends. Get a bunch of people in there, have a Hell in a Cell, throw around some live sharks or something. It's a laugh. A fun, a fun pickup. Next game up is Serious Sam 4, and this is going to be a preview. It's coming to us from Crow Team, the 24th of September 2020. It was initially slated for an August release, but has been pushed back for reasons I could not define. Crow Team have a long history with Serious Sam. They've developed every entry in the series, and this looks like exactly what you'd expect. You play Sam, monsters are invading, you backpedal and you shoot them all. And I might be oversimplifying, but anyone who's played Serious Sam would probably agree that's the meat of the gameplay right there. That is what the game is, yeah. It doesn't need any more than that. Something that was a bit odd to me is the tone of the game. So this is set as a prequel, and the monsters have just attacked humanity. So you're, you're playing in like the ruined civilization of Earth with a resistance force that Sam is like heading up. So you go to like realistic locations like cities that are all on fire with mutated helicopters flying around and, and things like that. And I don't know if that's really the tone of Serious Sam because every other one that I've played, I think I played the, the collection for the GameCube, you're like teleporting around, everything's absolutely mental, there is like no sense of realism at all. So I don't know if having like a burning cityscape while you fire enormous cannonballs at headless exploding dudes, whether that's going to like be a bit of a juxtaposition might hurt the tone a little bit. I'm assuming they're going to keep the humour, you know, the, the tongue-in-cheek, bombastic humour of the series. Something a bit interesting is the Legion system, which allows for 100,000 enemies on screen at any one time. 100,000. So the chaos is going to be ramped up to 11. There are some new weapons coming along with, the, with this new instalment, along with returning classics. Uh, these weapons can all be upgraded. The game can be played in co-op, online, and there are vehicles. For example, a motorbike, where you can wield a weapon at the same time, and a thrasher to allow you to run over vast swaths of bad guys. This Again, this is just a preview. I think if you like Serious Sam, you'll probably like this. It does seem like more of the same. Besides the tonal inconsistencies, which may, you know, may not be an inconsistency at all, seems interesting... And I will be curious to watch a review because some of the entries in the Serious Sam series have been a bit questionable in the past. I was going to, that's the word I was going to use, questionable. Yeah. It's a very basic game in a, in kind of a good way. You know, it is just fire at everything that moves, watch them gib. That's it. So I don't it's, know. It's quite the one trick pony. Yeah, whether whether it's going to pull it off, whether it's not, time will tell. Do you think they're trying to capture a bit of the, the Doom audience, maybe? 
looking at the design of the monsters, yes. There was one that was almost indistinguishable from a Hell Knight. They looked so similar. Yeah, right. That's not the Kakadi one. That's, that's the Baka Bleeman. <laughs> the Schmackashmeeman. <laughs> it did get... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's only so many ways you can go with demonoid monster designs, but it was reminiscent, let's say politely. Reminiscent of the design. It was legally distinct. <laughs> so the last game today is Patch Quest. This is an indie game coming to us from Lychee Games Lab, and the beta is currently available. I couldn't see any proposed release date, but yeah, you can currently download the beta. I found this one in a bit of a weird way. So I like to watch development stories on YouTube. I'm just that way. And this guy talks about how he developed Patch Quest by himself and he wanted to make, you know, like a Binding of Isaac style roguelike that had a little bit of rogue legacy in there, but also had, had some unique elements. And he spoke about how he made a massive mistake for the first three years of his development where he focused on the mechanics before the design and that ended up making for something he ended up making the mechanics he wanted but the game just wasn't fun mm. so he ended up remaking it and what we end up with is something like binding of isaac meets pokemon almost so you travel between procedurally generated areas and as you do little 2d sprite cartoony monsters pop out of the foliage and you can choose to either shoot them with your goop blaster or throw a lasso around them and tame them and then ride them which gives you access to their abilities and all of these monsters can level up and have distinct abilities you know you get that pokemon-esque vibe where do i fight this thing or do i want to ride it and try and figure out what it's about and whether it'll be useful going forwards mm. also there's a fruit blending mechanic so in these environments you can pick up fruit that grows on different trees and they will augment the properties of your main blaster so you might get one that makes your shots explode makes them split makes it into a shotgun and when you blend them together you could have an exploding split shot shotgun or whatever you know you can mix that up to as much as you want and then on top of that there's like a base building mechanic where when you go through a certain amount of tiles you'll get to an area where you can snapshot a tile and teleport it back to your base zone and that will give you certain bonuses in your next run and there's also a leveling mechanic as well. So it's quite thick with mechanics, which I think is a hangover from the extended development journey. But it is fun and it is free. If you look up Patch Quest on YouTube, you'll be able to watch that development journey and then go ahead and join the developers Discord and get a free download of the game, which is fun. It's got a lot of gameplay in it. And that is it for my releases, short and sweet. Thank you, Matt. I am enlightened as always. No worries. Incoming! Run away! So that is what has come out, or what is yet to come. But Sam is now going to tell us what is the news, Sam. I'll tell you right now. My first one is that the very popular multiplayer game Rocket League is switching to a free-to-play model. I cannot say that I am in any way acquainted with the the dizzying highs or the the crushing lows of Rocket League. Do I feel like I say that a lot? Like for a video game podcast, we've like played barely anything. <laughs> but anyway, I'm aware of like the large player base it has and the, the popularity it gains over its fairly short life. Uh, and I was going to go free to play. 
as well as joining the Epic Games Store. Call that a coincidence, if you will. Mm. But that's going to be happening on September 23rd, which might be either the day of or the day, the day before this comes out, if we're on time. Specifically, it's going to happen at 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time or 4 p.m. Uh, GMT. So in the UK, 4 o'clock. In addition to changing its pricing model, it's got an update to change a number of things related to the game. It's getting cross-platform progression linking, which means players can link. Yeah, there's a lot of words. Players can link uh, profiles to their Epic Games account. It's getting legacy items. So if you were one of the people that had already bought Rocket League, you'll get some legacy items, which I assume are things that you have that any new players don't get because it's like, it's their way of reimbursing quote unquote or a mild apology to people that have bought the game when they guess they you didn't need to mm. but it's something at least it's going to get the support creator support a creator live feature uh, this means that the game is going to join the epic games support creator program i think if you join that you get uh, you become a creator you get a creator code and you basically get credits cash back i guess the equivalent of cashback uh, on purchases in the store. So if you spend 100 credits to get a skin, you get five credits back, hmm. which is something. Hmm. Uh, and then a few uh, just quality of life changes. And then on the 23rd itself, uh, it's getting another little update, uh, but that's mostly just cosmetic items, a uh, new battle pass, uh, a couple of new tournaments and game modes. And if you play the game on the 23rd, when it uh, on the Epic Games Store when it goes over to this, you'll get some unique items for the day one release of it, I guess. So if you're a Rocket League person, get on that to get some unique stuff for your cars. Also taking place on September 23rd, what a link. I didn't think I even meant to do that, but there we go. CBS All Access, which is uh, for those not in America, it's a streaming service like BBC iPlayer or ITV Hub or anything like that is showing off a video game-centric documentary called Console Wars, which Ooh. is about the rivalry in the 90s between the two video game publishers, Sega and Nintendo, and kind of the David versus Goliath-esque tale of Sega's emergence into the industry, or into the home console-specific industry against Nintendo. It's being co-produced by Blake J. Harris and Jonah Tullis, the former of which wrote the book uh, that this has been adapted from which I actually own, but I haven't read because I'm an unintellectual and the book is is a thick boy. Thick boy with two C's. <laughs> and uh, Seth Rogen is actually one of the executive producers, as in the Seth Rogen. Hmm. I didn't realise he was a producer. I think so. I think he's got some kind of chops on the films he does, but I think that's normally like writing and stuff. And obviously he's, he's a comedic actor, so normally it's in that realm. So hmm. I've not heard stuff about him being a big gamer but i'm sure he is i guess everybody under the age or around the age of 30 is that i guess if you're born in the 80s Mm. yeah let us know if you're gonna watch this um i don't think we'll be able to in any way um i'm not gonna pay for cbs all access just to get that but i'm sure it'll pop up on youtube or somewhere else in the next week or so get a hold of it and have a look i can only offer my thoughts and i think you can as well matt on the uh, the, the Netflix documentary High Score. Is it High Score? Yes, yeah, I absolutely love that. I was very that much That was really it. cool. Yeah. 
yeah, to get a glimpse at, I guess, some of the lesser known and sometimes uncredited people who basically started like a media revolution, especially coming from a time when it was, you know, after the games crashed and it was 83. Yeah. The games crash was. Good old E.T. Yeah. Do you know, have you seen that documentary? I've not uh, seen Game Over. No, no. You should watch that because that clears up a lot of stuff that E.T. is like the scapegoat for the crash. But things were like way worse before that. I, anyway. I mean, I knew it, it was getting bad because there was no quality assurance. So people could just fart out whatever they wanted onto a console. And because there was no standardized review system, you know, you, you didn't know what you were buying, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And I think one guy made E.T. Uh, I think he, he's in high school, right? There's an episode that's on him. And one of the quotes from him that I found hilarious was, I never set out to make the worst game ever, but it just kind of <laughs> happened. You'd hope that he didn't have that intention. Yeah, I think he had like eight weeks to make the game as well. And he had to present it, not just, you'd be nervous to present it to like your superiors, so to present it to Steven Spielberg, the man who's, you were making a licensed version of his game. It must be pretty terrifying, like by yourself as well. It's not like you're doing it in your team. Mm. So yeah, I feel for that guy. But yeah, if you're going to watch that, let us know. Also watch High Score and watch Game Over as well. Both great documentaries. And now we move on to like the meat and potatoes, which is the PlayStation event where we got a reveal of the price and release date of the PlayStation 5. So that took place the past week. And now we have a price for the... I've put standard in quotes, but I don't... It's not called the standard PS5. It's just called the PlayStation 5. But there is an all-digital version as well. We now know that's going to retail at 500 American dollars or 450 pounds and 400 dollars or 360 pounds respectively. And they're going to launch on the 12th of November in Japan, America, Canada, South Korea, Mexico, Australia, and New Zealand. And then quotes in other territories, basically meaning the rest of the world. It's going to be a week later on November 19th. If you compare these prices to the Xbox Series X and S, the more powerful X is going to retail for the same price as the normal PS5 at $500 and £450. And then the S, the less powerful of the two, is a whole £110 cheaper than its digital counterpart. Uh, I think at the expense of less impressive specs. I don't have them to hand, but IGN and a lot of other sites have done comparisons of the two. Yeah, 110 quid cheaper. Whether that will make a difference to people's consumer spendings, that is yet to be seen. But I think if I was a parent and my seven-year-old said, Dad, can you buy me a new console? If I've only got to put down 250 quid, that is a lot more attractive to me than 360, you know? Mm. There's going to be bundles and stuff to get certain games with it, I'm sure, that will bump it up a bit. But for new people, I think it'd be quite good. But whether it's going to make anybody jump ship, I doubt it. I think pretty much people are set in their ways at the moment. You either, you're either one camp or the other, and I think you're in too deep, or you're lucky enough to have both. But I don't think it will make people change teams, but regardless. We also had a few reveals at the event. We got the next installment in the never-ending franchise, Final Fantasy, with number 16. That was revealed in a cinematic trailer. There wasn't any gameplay, I don't think. And that is going to be a PlayStation exclusive. We saw more of Spider-Man Miles Morales, 
which just continues to look absolutely beautiful. And we found out it's going to get a PS4 version as well, so it's going to be a lower spec version. So you won't miss out on that if you can't upgrade right out of the gate. Hmm. God of War Ragnarok got a very short trailer with literally just some voiceover uh, from Kratos and the new logo. But it's, if it's even half as good as its predecessor, it's going to be a fantastic game. I'm sure everyone was very excited to see that. More Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War gameplay. This time we got to see uh, the campaign mission that was called Nowhere Left to Run, which to me just kind of looked like more COD, but that's not, again, not necessarily a bad thing. Although I did think a little bit, it looked a little bit regressive, but I haven't got to grips with Call of Duty proper in a long time. I've started playing Warzone again, but it's, you know, I stopped playing about Black Ops 2, mm. kind of when it got too futury and started flying around on jump packs and stuff. That's where I kind of, I was like, I'm getting off this bus. <laughs> it just became uh, Titanfall, right? Yeah, I think they, they did try and leapfrog off the back of that and Titanfall kind of just faded away, which is a shame. I mean, there's Apex, which basically is Titanfall without the Titans. But it's a shame because Titanfall 1 and 2, pretty good online, really good games because they were made by the OG Infinity War team. Like, that's who Respawn are. We had some more details on Resident Evil 8 Village. Showed off more creepy characters to some creepy old woman. And it's more confirmation to me that this is what you'd get if Resi 4 and Resi 7 had a little Resi baby in terms of like the setting mixed with the perspective. I am all about that. That is an excellent combo. Yeah, I think it should be a good mix. One game that kind of came flying straight out of the blue, straight out of platform nine and three quarters. I'm pausing for the laughter. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was a terrible joke, don't worry. <laughs> that, that was an ironic joke, by the way. That wasn't me trying to be funny. That yeah, was sure. Deliberately okay. ironic. Are you going to let me off that one, Matt? Uh, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> the next good joke I make brings me up to like I'm breaking even then I'm minus one at the moment <laughs> yeah I don't think anybody expected this one uh, this is Hogwarts Legacy which is an RPG set in the Harry Potter universe and apparently takes place sometime in the 1800s I have no idea of the timeline for Fantastic Beasts and Harry Potter I have seen the films not read any of the books uh, my girlfriend is a fan but I don't know the lore but it looked alright. Devil May Cry 5 is getting a special version for PS5 where you get a new difficulty called Legendary Dark Knight. As if those games weren't hard enough already. They went, you know what, let's make this harder. A turbo mode, and you get Virgil as a playable character, which I'm aware of who Virgil is, but literally I just know who he is within the story. But apparently he's a cool character. A new Odds World game as well. I have both fond and frustrating memories of these games in my childhood, mainly because I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, but this entry is going to be called Odds World Soulstorm, and it kind of just looks like more of the same in terms of gameplay. So if you're a fan of the Odd World games, especially the newer, more up-to-date, shiny-looking ones, that's going to be great news for you. More gameplay from Deathloop uh, got shown off. To boil it down to the smallest possible P of detail, it's a 70s-themed Dishonored, which maybe does it a little bit of a disservice. But from where, I'm, where I was standing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It looked cool, and it looked like it understood the stylistic thing it wanted to capture, and I think it's done that pretty well. 
I will probably check that game out because I'm a big Dishonored fan. So I'll probably be getting on that as well. Another Five Nights at Freddy's called no. Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> Security Breach. Um, I am going to echo Matt's sentiments and say that I've never really played any of the FNAF uh. games. I get their appeal, but they're just not for me. I don't get why they're so big. I guess horror YouTubers, right? I have no idea, man. There's like, there's barely game there. It's, it's not. There's a, you know, there's a lot of lore in it. I guess people have. I think the majority of it, people have just like fan fictioned it, and the guy that made it, or the guys that made it, were like, "Yeah, all right. Yeah, if you want to write that, cool." It's like Night Trap, but somehow with less mechanics. Yeah, I don't mean. Don't you like? You have to stop getting killed. The animatronics are like inching towards you, and you have to look at them to make sure they don't move. You, I don't really know. You just switch between security cameras in this night place it's 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 a chuck e cheese basically you switch between security yeah. cameras and a chuck e cheese and sometimes you'll see that the animatronics are moving and then if they get to a corridor that's near your door you have to close it down but closing your doors costs you power and yeah all, all you're doing is managing power that's it and then you get a jump scare sometimes that's the whole game yeah that's pretty much it from what i know but it looked a lot better than previous fnaf games that i've seen not that i've seen that much of them but doubt maybe maybe playstation will give it a new home but who knows i will be picking it up and then to cap it off we got an extended look at the demons souls remaster uh, an announcement of the ps plus collection for ps5 where if you're a ps plus subscriber you get free access to a bunch of new games when the ps5 launches which is pretty cool and fortnite running on unreal 4 and that is all I'm going to say about Fortnite running on Unreal 4. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't like Fortnite, but yeah. <laughs> My own biases aside. But yeah, that was pretty much... I was going to say in a nutshell, but that's not a, a bigger nut. Well, a walnut shell, maybe, rather than yeah, a there you peanut. Go. Yeah, that is all my news that I've got for you this, this episode. Thank you so much. I am enlightened as ever. You are what? Oh, it's you. It's been a long time. Thank you for the news, Sam. Uh, all good information. But now we're going to talk about the question we posed last episode, which was... What video game would we play again for the first time? And we had a comment response. The very same man who won the transition competition, he says that he is playing Skyrim for the first time right now. And he's just starting to get to grips with all the references he's stumbled across for the past 10 years. I don't know how he avoided Sorry. playing Skyrim. So finally got an arrow in his knee. Finally. He can finally laugh at that joke. <laughs> he's been at parties so he's been like, ha, ha. Yeah, arrow to the what? what? I can't shoot a bow. What are you talking about? Must have been the wind. <laughs> he also says he'd love to play Left 4 Dead 2 again. Learning the special zombies' tactics and exploring the maps for the first time with friends. He'd love to experience it again. And similarly with Hollow Knight, the grind and struggle in learning enemy patterns and routes through areas, it was tough, and when it clicked, it felt incredible. He then quickly blasts through a few more Pokemon Red, Breath of the Wild, Metroid, and Bioshock for that twist. So thank you very much for commenting, John. We appreciate it. Thank you. Sure, this is a tough one for me, because I'm going to try to not be cliche and just reel off an instant classic like it'd be great to play mario 64 again or you know link to the past breath of the wild or any of time whatever 
especially if it's a game, you know, from your childhood. I think we both are a little bit guilty of times of re- remembering things with the, the rose-tinted glasses on. Hmm. If I had to go back to the age I was when I played it, so go back in time, but with the knowledge I have minus the game, I think I'd actually do Call of Duty 4. Okay. Yeah, the, the story's decent enough. Mm. Um, but it was the first time for me that gaming was like an ex- a socially acceptable topic to discuss in school. Mm. Like we all played games, but there was kind of a divide in my year where you had like the majority of the popular kids who were like sporty guys. You know, I'm not a, a non-sporty guy, but I was definitely more in like the the nerdy side of the things than that. But I was good at sports, so they liked me. So they didn't <laughs> they didn't do anything horrible to us. Hmm. But yeah, that that came out what 2007, I think Christmas 2007. I like everybody and their sister had that game, and the majority of people, I'd say three quarters of the year, had a 360. So you were playing with kids really that you didn't really kind of know or talk to but then it kind of bridged a few gaps so that you could see them uh in the class in the card or whatever you'd be like ah you fucking sniped me last night didn't you you know you little coward <laughs> 1v1 1v1 shipment so that was kind of cool it kind of like was a weird way that the whole year kind of got brought together so that was almost a phenomenon in in my school but yeah that was nice where people would talk about gaming it was just okay to play video games and you know what? We had it was un, unusual to me at that point because I was what I would have been fifteen. I only played games with guys, and there were some really good girl gamers at my school who would kick people's asses at Call of Duty Four. Don't think they still play now, but fair enough. Yeah, they were really good. To balance out the multiplayer stuff with more of a single-player title, I'd probably go for Bioshock Infinite. I have an undying love for that game, mainly because of the time in my life when I played it. Hmm. Everything was good. I had a job, I had a car, I was and still am in a relationship. All the planets aligned. And the fact that it was a great game, I played over a nice summer. So yeah, that is, that's just like attached to that memory of a good time in my life. Hmm. So I've gone for reasons that I guess are more peripheral rather than just this game is amazing but yeah those are my choices I think coming, at, coming at it from a different angle i think i've gone for the the opposite you know I've, I've i've tried to take the game in isolation as if i would play it now knowing nothing about it that's good that we've had those different approaches though and jumping off what john said about pokemon red leaf green was my Pokemon absorption factor. I was just so into it. It's a great game. Like, so crazily into it. I must have spent about 400 hours on the save. I think I've mentioned that before. It's, it's one of my games that I spent the most time in. Like, the save file just went on and on and on because I was exploring the world, trying to get the Pokemon that appeared in different times and in different weathers and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, just doing all that, that really fun, fun stuff. You want it to be the very best, like, no one ever was. Yeah, um, I mean, to catch them was my real task, and to uh, to train them was my cause. Um, that was great. <laughs> I only realised when you said the second bit that you were carrying on the song, but we've made that joke multiple times it, it's, on this. It's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> A more recent game, 
would be Cultist Simulator, which I only spoke about a few episodes ago. But if I could forget that game and play it again, I was I like couldn't put it down. I was just playing it for like ten hour stints at a time, just learning and learning and learning all these different really subtle interactions. And then I had a terrible dawning moment where I just understood it and was like, oh, and just kind of sucked all the fun completely out of it. So if I could just have that injected back in, I would, I would very much like that. Developers are listening. Can you uh, remove my memory? Thank you very much. Also, bit of a bit of a different one. Harvester. Don't know if, if you know. Uh, no. It's, Can't say I'm unacquainted. It's like a digitized point-and-click puzzle game that's set in a town in the town of Harvester and it is absolutely mental I don't really know how to describe it if you imagine like in the mouth of madness the Sam Neill film or John Carpenter film I should say it's kind of like that where everything is backwards everything is crazy the scenes you're presented with are kind of horrible but also absurd at the same time i'll try and give an example you basically wake up in a bedroom you don't recognize you don't know where you are you don't know what's going on and all you know is you're due to be married to someone you've never met in three days and you go down and speak to your parents and you're like uh what's going on you aren't my parents i'm not supposed to be here and all anyone ever says to you when you reference that you're not a part of this whatever's going on they just say you always were a kidder Everyone just thinks you're joking. There's a guy at a military base who has no bottom half of his body and his intestines are like dragging out along the ground, but he still walks around in his hands and speaks to you, shoots a gun if you piss him off. When you investigate your baby brother, a tarantula crawls into his, into his crib, which he promptly eats. It's just mad. And seeing those scenes for the first time and like going through it and you're like what is going on oh the newspaper kid as well he turns up in the morning and you have to give him a newspaper otherwise he kills you ah it's just it's so crazy and i can see why most mainstream newspaper services don't operate on that model i don't think you have uh many customers for long i don't i don't know no <laughs> if you do you kill them <laughs> and uh last one will be blood money hitman blood money oh great yeah it was just so good. And the satisfaction of making all of these kills around a level, an accident, and escaping in your suit. I was just, it was And the entire time, 47's face not changing. Completely emotionless. Just the back of his little bald head, flying around, doing everything you need. Would you say that's the best Hitman, Blood Money? I quite like the latest one. Uh, just that hasn't got like a subset, was it? It's just Hitman. No, there was Absolution, and then there was this Hitman. Oh, Absolution. And um, oh. I think they've was... they've gone back to that style, in my opinion. Like having the score in a level, being able to replay every level over and over again to get a better rating. I think it's just really good. Absolution wasn't a good game. <laughs> I it was trying for something, but it didn't quite hit the mark. No. Yeah, thank you for that awesome question. Uh, yes, from Mr. Coffee. Good. That was Mr. Coffee's question. That was last episode. And this episode, our our new champion, John, has a question for us. Which ears? If you're organizing an old school games night with three celebrities, living or dead, 
Who do you invite, and why? This is this is a tricky one because I don't know if you to invite celebrities that are cool just because you don't like them, or because you think they'd be good gamers. Yeah, it's a tough, one. tough one. Thank you for that. So that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, as always. Yeah, thank you for choosing to spend your time here with us. And if you like listening to us talk about games for extended periods of time, go ahead and subscribe and click the bell to get a notification every time we release a new video. Yes, do that. And check out the other content we have as well. Got some interviews, which we should have another one, actually, fairly soon. And we also have 3v3 where Matt and I pick a topic and then pick our top three picks from said topic. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Links Which in the description. should. Yes. Because we're hilarious. Of course. As we found out from your platform nine and three quarters joke. Not letting yeah. you off the hook. Yeah, more of that coming. If you thought that was great, wait till you check out the socials. Yeah, and you can use those to contact us more directly. Kick off a conversation, whatever you want to do. Thank you again for listening, and you take care. I will.